Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, where you will learn how to start living more by doing less. Let me help you optimize, automate, and outsource your entire life so you can focus on doing the things you love. Now here's your host, Ari Mizell. All right, so Peter Schaller is known as the shrink for entrepreneurs. Or he was known as the shrink for I guess you still are, right? Still am. Still are. I like to still be known. Yeah, and he is an actual shrink. Not really licensed anymore, but he is. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deep denial issues, clearly. <laughs> uh, and uh, he has a company called Commit Action. And what Commit Action does is it helps people become more accountable in the work that they're doing. So uh, I probably didn't describe that as well as, as you will. But um, we're going to get into a lot of the science of accountability and, and the importance of that. But we're also going to reveal a really cool collaboration that we are doing together. Uh, for the less doing community. Um, so, Peter, why don't you talk about uh, just a little bit of background about how you uh, got started with Commit Action? With Commit Action? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I uh, let's go five seconds right back to the very beginning. My very first business was a brick and mortar psychotherapy practice in New Zealand. I still have a bit of an accent. I've been here for seven years now, though. Um, and uh, I was really always really passionate about. Uh, kind of one-to-one work. I found my way to working with entrepreneurs sort of by accident. That's a, maybe a story for another day. Um, and built this brand as the shrink for entrepreneurs. And for the longest time, it was really my goal to create a, a sort of a badass consulting business that I could be totally location independent and all that fun stuff and make really good money. And I did that and was working with some stellar uh, founders, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in the sort of tech startup world, venture capital backs, that sort of thing. And I basically got to the point where I was, I realized that for me personally, I always like to tell a story to other business owners, other entrepreneurs, that for me personally, I built a killer service business model and I was kind of frustrated by the, the sort of limits of getting out of, you know, working one-to-one with clients. So I started simultaneously thinking of two things. One, like how can I build something that scales, which was the sort of selfish, like just entrepreneur internal drive. And then the other thing was I had built, the way that I built my brand is the shrink for entrepreneurs. I created, I was, I basically started blogging about business and psychology in 2006. I was kind of the first person to start writing about those things and it was really easy to win back then. So I got got some good escape velocity on the old Google. And um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of small business owners who were finding my stuff, were connecting with all of the, the stuff I was publishing about psychology and business. And I looked, I kind of started talking to them, paying attention to the emails that I was getting and seeing what these people struggle with, what outside of the handful of like pretty elite founders that I was working with, what most business owners were really struggling with. And what I kind of figured out was that there is a really massive issue that First of all, that a huge number of them are deeply unhappy with the results that, w- that they're producing, which I found to be like this crazy disconnect between the like the lifestyle stuff, the kind of freedom, like all of the great things that business owners say is why they get out of bed in the morning, why they do what they do, that the reality was that so many of them 
just didn't really have much of that positive emotion in their lives that day to day they were waking up and kind of beating themselves up because they weren't doing as well as they would have liked to be doing. That there was a huge gap for the vast majority of business owners between what they know they should be doing, what their definition for their best self really is, like this, this kind of imagined image in their mind of the kind of entrepreneur they want to be and then who they actually are at like 8 a.m. on a Monday morning when they open up their laptop and are like, let's do this. So, um, yeah, so Commit Action basically came about as I wanted to take the, I wanted to take the part that I think is really effective about therapy and about coaching. There's a lot of things that go on one-to-one when people who are really good at that stuff sit down with people who really need it. But I think what's universal, like what works about even kind of bad therapy uh, is accountability. And so I wanted to, I, I built Commit Action as an experiment. Uh, employee number one sitting right there, was there right at the beginning, beta version. Launched it to my, uh, my blog email list and we basically said we're gonna try this thing. We're gonna do it for like 30 people or something. If it doesn't work, we're gonna shut it down. And um, we, ba- we, 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 we came up with this idea of pairing up business owners with an outsource form of accountability to kind of keep track of what they should be doing and basically have someone who's like a personal trainer for your personal effectiveness. So instead of making you do push-ups, making you just do the things that you said you should, that you know you should as a business owner. And uh, yeah, that was the that was the genesis of the company. That's where we got yeah. started. So, and what this looks like in practice is weekly 20-minute calls. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, so what, so what we have now, we've gone through a few different iterations of it, um, and the company's come a long way. That initial test group went really well. We had somebody who signed up, and then one person proceeded to work with us for four years of just being, just doing this accountability thing. Um, and uh, what we do now is we basically pair our pair our customers up with a what we call them an executive effectiveness aid. They meet once a week over the phone. Um, and they basically act as a kind of a concierge for your to-do list, like uh, yeah, a personal trainer for productivity. Instead of, we kind of believe that the first hire any business owner should make is the person whose job it is to keep you in the zone and keep you focused on the highest leverage things possible. So we know that there's a lot of things that any business owner should like outsource and delegate and try to minimize the low leverage stuff. But we also like we really specialize in helping people figure out what their kind of growth driving activities are. What are the things that they can do with where their business is at right now that are going to lead to exponential results and enable them to scale up? And so it's 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 raw accountability. We have a, a whole methodology and a process that these aides walk every client through on a weekly basis. They break down whatever ideas they have into like a game plan for the next seven days. The client goes and gets busy. They follow up with email. They're there. They're, it's like somebody on your team who's checking in and making sure that you're showing up and doing this stuff. And, uh, and yeah, it's essentially like a, a sort of a mental gym membership for staying focused on the high leverage stuff. Yeah. So in terms of like the science of accountability, are there, this is going to sound like a weird question, but are there people who don't really need external accountability? Like they're, they're just disciplined and I mean, and they got it. So this is, yeah, that's a good question. I think that we, we started doing a bunch of research I'm really passionate about evidence-based psychology, and this company has been an amazing vehicle for me to plug into that space. So we've we've like built a little science advisory board of a bunch of uh, academic researchers in the space, like the professor of positive psychology at NYU, somebody who helped us with a lot of the methodology. 
uh, we get to talk to these people about like uh, some of the research that's being done on this idea of like personal effectiveness. And one of the one of the kind of crazy things that we found outside of just the vast, vast uh, number of people who are really struggling with this stuff uh, is that we we kind of started the business thinking that spec, uh, success was going to be like a spectrum, that personal effectiveness would be this kind of beautiful rainbow with people who are ultra in the zone, who have got like all of the right things happening for them at one end, and then people who are really struggling and everyone in between. What we found when we actually started digging into data on this, and we've had like over 10,000 one-to-one phone conversations with small business owners. We collect data on all of that stuff and do some interesting things with it. We found that actually there's a bit of a chasm. There's kind of this gulf. And there are some people, they're the people that I get to work with as the strength entrepreneurs who have uh, these incredible execution superpowers. They're people who tend to succeed easier, faster, more often than everyone else. They hit home run after home run uh, in business. And what we found was that those people tend to naturally have a bunch of ingredients, kind of psychological uh, sort of effects in their life that are part of the environment, we call it the sort of psycho environment that they're operating in. And so we found that um, that accountability was really a big one. And what we've seen is that the vast majority of people starting businesses these days are operating in this kind of vacuum of, of social isolation. So there are some people who have it, but I mean, north of 90% of people have a problem. The question we like to ask our customers is like, how many human beings on this planet know whether or not you absolutely crushed it yesterday or if you just kind of phoned it in and didn't really get that much done from or last week or last month and for most people for most business owners the answer is no one like not even their significant other who checks in with them and says how'd it go like how's your day fine but there's no real kind of accountability and the crazy thing about that psychologically is that this is a brand new environment for the human brain like we have never before operated in a kind of a vacuum uh, and that's why the research we've done and and we've been exposed to kind of makes me believe that isolation especially for uh, small business owners but kind of for everyone is the major social pathology of the 21st century it's and it's really a uh, it's really a symptom of the technology that's empowering us to like be doing this and to be here, right? Like all of these devices that everybody's on. It's never been easier to start a company. There's so many incredible opportunities. Like it's entrepreneurship is the new rock star. Kids kids want to like drop out of college and become entrepreneurs. Um, it's this cool new thing, but there's this very double-edged sword where all of these tools that really empower us to do this stuff are at the same time taking us further and further away from the kind of mental, psychological environments in which human beings really thrive. And so our thesis is that like humans are social, political primates. A huge amount of our brain is literally what neuroscientists kind of nicknamed the mammalian brain. We share it with like our ape ancestors like in our evolutionary tree. It's geared towards modifying human behavior based on the expectations and concerns of the other monkeys that matter to us, right? It's about being like supported, being liked, being a part of a community so that those guys leave enough fruit on the tree for you and for your offspring. And this part of our brain like taps deeply into our ability to focus right like executive function being able to really drill down on tasks deeply into our ability to be motivated there's nothing that motivates human beings more than that sense of like status and interpersonal relationships and so what do we do when we decide to be entrepreneurs we like put on our pjs tell ourselves that we're like freedom 
loving nomads, digital nomads, or we hang out by a pool, like not talking to anyone around us and we start building. And so we feel kind of more connected than ever, but actually we're, you know, for the most part, we're in this kind of void where no one knows how we're doing, what we're doing, what the hell's going on. And the effect of it is that everyone we talk to says that year after year after year, it gets more and more difficult to focus and be effective. There's more and more distractions and they find it harder and harder to like in an eight hour day or, or however long they're working, actually be in the zone doing doing the stuff that really matters. So. Can you talk about celebration? Like you said, who knows that you absolutely crushed it today? And that I find that we're, we get wrapped up in, oh, I could have done this, I should have done that. And with my clients, that's one thing that we focus on is how do you either intrinsically or extrinsically celebrate those wins so that way one day of crushing it leads to the next day. And if there's accountability involved with other people or how we can do that for ourselves of like, yeah, that was a great motherfucking email I just did, but how to, you know, <laughs> make get that momentum rolling. Right. And so I, I, it's a good question. I think that... I think that like that's why accountability is so important in a way because if you're one of the hardest things that I think so many people who are remote who are entrepreneurs who kind of work just with them and their computer struggle with is the sense of knowing what was a good day was it good or was it bad was that email enough do I need to do more and we all have that sense of like a to-do list that's a thousand and one things long and you'll never be done I literally joke with my wife she's like and in the evening she'll be like are you, are you done can we you know do something or, uh, or go somewhere and I'm like I'll, I'll never be done but I'm ready to leave you know so we have this thing where it just never it just never ends and it's kind of hard to know that and so when you're in an accountability vacuum when you really struggle with this thing there's this tendency to play like mind games we have clients who've described feeling like they're living with uh with sort of like mental sock puppets that like talk to them where it's like an inner cheerleader that flips around and then becomes their worst critic like that that morning is like you did great yesterday so take it easy like watch that netflix netflix show you know and then uh, and then later that afternoon is is yelling at them for not working harder that morning and it's like this mental like schizophrenia that is very difficult to maintain like it's very difficult to it, and it takes a lot of energy to keep all that stuff going as well it's exhausting so I think that to really answer the question I think that when and this is what I see with really really successful entrepreneurs is that when they start building these webs of accountability around them when there's like big teams in place and there's advisors and mentors and perhaps a board of investors and that kind of stuff there's this external structure that makes celebrating wins this this thing that happens interpersonally it's not just like a a dialogue that you're having with yourself and and i think that that's really what we're all missing is that like it takes a village to kind of organize a human brain we outsource our sanity to other people we need that and yeah so it's interesting because there's this whole movement and there's a recent book called The Million Dollar One One Person Company. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there's 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 several, there's, there's hundreds or I think now at this point of businesses in the U.S. that are million dollar a year one person businesses. And honestly, that sounds horrible to me. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's like it just isn't selling any fun, you know. So um, and they have you know outsourced contractors and stuff, but they're it's essentially like one person businesses. We uh, we know them too. I mean, the number one, uh, like the highest revenue one person businesses are all uh, financial advisors. 
So the, it's wealth management, and those guys love commit action because they just go they go sit in an office at nine a.m. and they're like, "This business is just cold calling. I just got to do it." And then they like alt tab Facebook every morning. And yeah, that's the that's the problem. It's a tough business. I wouldn't wish that one on my worst enemies. So, yeah. um, and then so let's talk about the process of this. So why? How did you settle on you know one week, once a week, twenty minutes? Like how did that become the the one? Yeah. So. The reason is that I wanted to take I wanted to kind of take all of the other aspects out of how most people traditionally seek out support and just remove everything except the the minimum viable dose of that really effective accountability. And so what we've found is that for people who are you know, for, for business owners who are really busy, for people who are actually pretty damn successful and, and are making big stuff happen, that the minimum viable dose is super important. That long-term, like create, creating a, a sort of a habit of showing up and being the highest leverage version of yourself possible, uh, to make that sustainable and not just something where like, and you know, no offense, I love what you're doing here. I think it's super necessary, but the, these kinds of events, they get people pumped up and they go and become that high leverage version yeah. of themselves. The question is, how do you keep it going? And I, I think that's why we've really had to pare it back and make it this thing where if you're super busy, we design this. Like my vision for it was always, not that many of our customers commute, but it's the kind of thing that you could do on Monday morning while you drive to an office, right? It's like, uh, just, just get on the phone with somebody whose job it is to organize your highest leverage projects and just figure it out. And so we we basically paired it back to the absolute minimum because we want we want to be working with people who are super busy and who don't necessarily want to spend an hour a week doing an emotional deep dive on like what it is that's deeply wrong with them and how they're shattered on the shattered in the core of their soul. Like we respect the people who do that work. I do some of that work with my clients, but I think that there's room for just raw accountability and and kind of in the zone focus. Yeah. Uh, and and then what do you like what's the sort of method for dealing with it if somebody you know is trying to get the same thing done for like three weeks you know and they just say i'm gonna do it and then next week i didn't do it but i'm gonna do it this week like to, to change up the priority then or change up the task or break it down further Ooh, we have a lot of we have a lot of different approaches for that i mean one of the one, <laughs> one of the one of the games that we like to play is uh is will uh with people who are really really resistant to something and they're swearing simultaneously right they're swearing that they want to do this because right. this isn't this is not coerced right like we don't send guys around with pipes and blow torches to your house if you don't follow through um, that's a pre- that's, that's, a, that's it's a pre- it's a premium package that we're we're testing. <laughs> um, yeah, so we so one of the things we'll do is we'll basically and again this is a theme we'll 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 pare the task down to the smallest possible thing. So we uh, will will say all right let's just try and do half of that and if they still can't do it let's do half of that. I mean we're talking about someone with a real this is not most of our customers but real pathological stock problem. <laughs> so we'll get to a point where it's laughable and then try to build a chain of positive reinforcement from them taking that one kind of action. So the guy who can't make 10 cold calls, like we may literally get to the point where we're like, just make a list of the people that you're gonna call. And then like, we could, we'll just be nuts with it. Just dial the first half of the number and hang up the phone and congratulate yourself. And the next day do a little bit more. I mean, if they're really crazy about it, you know? Some crazy people you're dealing with. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> We don't we don't have this happen too often, but the the philosophy of it is basically building positive streaks that 
there's a lot of solutions to this problem, to the issue of like focus and effectiveness. One of the popular ones is this, I forget what they call, but there's this app out there, a website where you can pledge money to some cause that Stick. you hate. Yeah. Stick, it's called. And that's what yeah. it's called. So from a psychology point of view, I'm really not a fan of that. I think that um, it doesn't, it may work for a one-off project, but you're not going to set up like a positive virtuous cycle of, of effectiveness in your life by promising money to like whatever nefarious nonprofit that you, you really love. So what we try to do is build like a positive reinforcing habit where people are taking some action and then they're kind of growing it and trying to just increase the cycle of doing a little bit more and a little bit more. One of the biggest challenges we actually have is with our new clients, they always want to do too much, yeah. right? Like they're, they're like, oh, I'm gung-ho, I'm going to get all this stuff done. And so our aides will, will have to, on that first call, like talk them down a little bit, be like, let's just see, you know? So, yeah. So procrastination is obviously um, driven a lot for me around shame and perfectionism. And, and then when I hear accountability, I know I want it, but then you also get fearful of it. And it's helpful to hear how you kind of support people through that in a, in a positive way. And I feel like for me, when I hear accountability, I it's like fear motivated because those two puppets you're talking about, you know, you expect that's how you're going to be treated, but realistically you're treating yourself worse than than the support that you need. So, yeah, um, yeah. I guess where the question is that, like how, how, like the people who do the work, are they trained therapists or are they, like what's their background in training and, and breadth of experience? Yeah, so we, so there are people, we, uh, we have a, like a whole hiring and training methodology that uh, is pretty in depth. So we hire, we do a lot of like uh, personality testing. We do a, um, we hire less than 1% of applicants for this job. So we're really kind of diligent about this. We look for a, it's kind of a part of our secret source, so I don't want to get into it too much, but we look for a really specific profile uh, in terms of what kind of behavioral traits this person brings to it because the type of work that they're doing is something that this guy over here is a little bit of a freak from, an, from a personality point of view. Uh, he's, he's kind of unique, right? Like our whole team have got this set of traits that's quite hard to find. So we look for people who are really drawn to that kind of work and who are able to kind of show up and just hold the space for other people. And then, yeah, they do hundreds of hours of training and then also have access to, you know, to to working with entrepreneurs, business owners in hundreds of different industries. So we have clients in like more space, more fields than almost anyone can even imagine. And I think that over time, like they get this incredible depth of experience from doing all of that. So yeah, they're not, they're not like trained and licensed therapists or anything, but that that's really not the point of what we're doing, right? We're trying to, we don't even, uh, we don't even call them coaches because we don't want to have a coaching conversation. Their job is to almost act like a member of your team who, uh, whose job it is, is to organize your to-do list and help figure out your priorities. So, um, the, the perfectionism thing is a really interesting point, though. And I would say, like, the question you asked, we really don't have too many people who are that paralyzed, but we have a ton of people who struggle with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I would say it's, like, the biggest uh, thing. And, and perfectionism is, like, just archetypal of this, exa- of this problem that people have with this isolation vacuum that most people in 2018 operate in, right? And by the way, like, more and more people are going in this direction. The U.S. Treasury just announced that 40% of the white-collar workforce is going to be freelance self-employed in the next 10 years, right? So like this is this is a cultural issue that everyone's struggling with. Perfectionism is literally the symptom of like that feedback loop for when something is done enough existing entirely internally. 
I think that perfectionism is generated by somebody who's got, it's just them and the task, them and something that they're really passionate about where there's probably a bit of fear in there, like a little bit of fear of shipping, but they're just dealing with it on their own. So that, that process of, okay, I'm gonna do the work, is it done, right? That is a sock puppet and it's just going back and forward between them. And as soon as you inject that objective like pro outsider, it collapses that loop and allows the individual to think objectively about what is their actual definition for done here. So yeah, perfectionism is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I think of people raising hands. Um, so, and then the, well, perfectionism to me also the, the, is the same kind of paralysis, I guess, in some ways. But what you mentioned about people wanting to take on too much, like that's I, I, that's what we see all the time. You know, somebody, especially in events like this, obviously there's a lot of information and it's all stuff that you might want to implement. But I think people have a very hard time breaking things down, right? So that chunking down process is something that's in, inherently, I think, very difficult for people to manage themselves. We, uh, so we work with the... Um professor of neuroscience at Harvard Medical School, and he uh, directed me to some really interesting research on this. There's an idea that uh, these guys talk about, I think it's neuroscientists, maybe behavioral psychologists, called ideal implementation granularity. So we uh, break that down for our customers as specificity. But basically what it means is that it is it, what ideal implementation granularity is, is the sense that if you set some big, hairy, audacious goal, like if you want to climb Mount Everest, that that goal, looking at it as this big kind of vision, which is how a lot of like kind of goal setting and different methodologies encourage people. It's like, go big, have an audacious goal. It's actually very overwhelming. Yeah. And then on the other end, if you break down climbing Everest into individual steps, right? Like literal human steps, it's like 87,400, like whatever. It's this an overwhelmingly vast number of small baby steps. And so the, what really helps people, and this I think is just as big a deal as accountability, is arriving at that kind of psychological sweet spot in the middle, which varies from project to project, which is a real sense of like, what can you do to pick up a ball and move it forward in the next seven days? And, and people struggle with it again, like I'm, you know, I've got this one message, so I sound like a broken record here. It's hard to arrive at ideal implementation granularity on your own. It's better when you've got somebody else to, to, to kind of bounce that off and get that external feedback and arrive at like a chunk size of goal that's gonna be naturally more motivating and just easier to focus on. So I would, I would imagine that you probably have a lot of clients who say that they wanna write a book, right? Is that? A decent amount. We have yeah. a lot of people come in and it's like, I wanna make $15,000 a month for the next six months. Okay. Like by the end of six months, we make that amount a month. And it's like, okay, well, how do you make dollar number one? Where are you at now? Oh, like you have a website, like what's your funnel like? You bring in traffic and they're like, oh no. Okay, well, what's like the first step is dollar number one? Well, I should probably get a website up. What's the first step is like, let's break that down to what we can do in this individual week and then we take that out and spread it out over that week for them and then that's what they commit to. Yeah, ditto with the uh, with the writing people, the, yeah. the book well, people. It's like this big goal. Well, that's because you mentioned sweet spots, so that's why I'm curious. Because I always say to people, it's like you know, write. I've seen write book on people's to do lists yeah. before. Yeah. So, but, but also, like yeah. write write ten pages might be too much for somebody else, but make an outline might be the right thing. So, right. So it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's everybody works in a different way. So we, I can for a writer, I tell them the same thing where it's, we're going to try this this week and if it doesn't work, we try something else. Well, let's stick to it this week, commit to doing it, whatever we set up. 
try to get it done. That works the same way with your question. You want to build that positive feedback loop of just getting the goal. It doesn't matter if you wrote three brilliant chapters or wrote a thousand shitty words. Like, hit your goal with a thousand shitty words, and we nailed it. That's the positive feedback loop. That's exactly what we're supposed to do, and we did it. And if it worked in the way we set it up, a hundred day or two hundred day, whatever it is, or first thing in the morning or in the afternoon, in the evening, wherever we set that up, if that worked for you, let's stick with it. So, yeah. let's system. We should, yeah, we should clarify this idea of shitty goals because we, we, this is something that we talk about internally quite a lot, and it's quite hard for our customers to wrap their head around. But it's really important. <laughs> so, it's sometimes it's the thing about taking action, and this is what I've learned in my work is like working with all of these incredible entrepreneurs who do huge things is that it's totally fine to take action on the wrong goals so long as you're actually executing on them because what tends to happen is that you execute and you learn really really quickly that they're the wrong goals so we have this weird thing that happens particularly with entrepreneurs who are like kind of earlier on they're just getting started where they're like trying to figure out the right things to do and we're like no 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 just do anything. It's like write the shitty thousand words because it's only when you've actually done that that you can then look back and, and kind of figure out what was what made those thousand words shitty of your first attempt at your draft, right? Or you can hand them to somebody who's outside of, again, your own freaking brain and say, you're an editor, you're a copy editor, tell me what's shitty about these thousand words. So our like unofficial tagline is execution is everything because when you can when you can get to the place where you can courageously move forward on your ideas you can beat that perfectionism and it doesn't even you're not even really asking whether or not it's the right thing or that's certainly not the perfect thing you're just learning at a rate like you're picking up those battle scars and that 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 wisdom that every single like founder of a hundred million dollar plus company that i've ever worked with has described as like the one thing that made the difference for them right that you can't learn from your parents you can't learn it from the best mba program you can only learn by doing like that's what we're all about is we're just accelerating that so we we don't say this to our customers but sometimes we will say like internally in our conversations like that guy just needs a shitty goal he just needs to get going you know yeah so no i will i always love to say like get it going then get it good yeah you know um and I'd rather, I'd much rather, you know, go down the wrong path and then be able to reverse or shift than, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you see it having, uh, is, is the conversation different for like a, a true like solopreneur versus, because I know you work with CEOs of big companies too, right? So like, but I, when I guess as they move higher and higher up, it gets lonely and lonely also, right? So yeah, do you, at different like sort of levels, do you see that conversation changing? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the nature of the the nature of what they're executing on changes a lot. We always encourage our clients to stack. We don't believe in having like a monopoly on accountability either. That it always works best when you stack it. Like we think that everybody should be adding as many layers as possible. Like what I love about groups like this is that there's natural accountability built in, right? And so as people grow bigger and bigger businesses, the accountability increases because like having a team that you have to show up for with like a Monday morning standing meeting is a form of from the bottom up accountability on an entrepreneur. And it really works. Like anyone who's done that and a lot of entrepreneurs who had that freedom motivation to start a company and have scaled it and then suddenly find themselves having to show up sometimes feel that tension of like, oh, this doesn't feel like freedom anymore, but it does feel like effectiveness, right? Like they get stuff done. So um, yeah, so I think that then the quality of accountability in terms of the sources of it start to stack up as people scale. Um, and the, the, I guess the quality of the tasks, the, the, the sort of commitments that they're making to themselves 
uh, changes. And that's really the customer journey that we want to see is like a shifting, improving definition of what it means to be the highest leverage version of yourself possible. And so for someone who's just starting out, it might be like, as Alex said, like, building, getting a website up, you know, it might be like that thousand word kind of a draft. I mean, you know, we've got people who run large organizations who are using the accountability to kind of make themselves show up and just work on this project that they consider like a skunk works, high risk, high reward thing in their business that they're leading. They do that for an hour in the morning before the team gets there and the rest of their day turns into like, you know, whatever it is, running a, running an organization like 50 or 100 people deep, that kind of thing. So yeah, how do you keep accountable? I am the cobbler whose shoes have uh, whose kids have no shoes. Yeah, I so my team is incapable of holding me accountable. I can't. Uh, we've tried. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work. I have to. I have to seek it out through. I mean, you know, you and I know about the power of community. I have to do it the hard way, and it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, guys, uh, to, to to build this thing. For yeah, I mean, there's something about trying to hold your boss accountable when you're an executive effectiveness aide that just doesn't quite work. So. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> I I feel like I'm pretty good at the focus and effectiveness thing, but I uh, I have to I have to go elsewhere for the accountability. Yeah, but where for you then in that case? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it's, for me it's community. Like I've one of the things that I uh, have that's really been a huge part of my career, and basically the only secret to success that I've that I know of is. I've managed to kind of fill my life up with, you know, most of my best friends are just incredible entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I I moved to this country partly because my business needed me to, and it was a big opportunity, partly because I met my wife and she's American, but also because I just could feel this network that I was creating. And so I live in downtown Manhattan. I hang out with you and people like you. And yeah, that for me, that's like, that's kind of what does it. And uh, it's dangerous though, because I've found that in the toughest parts of my business that I tend to want to withdraw. Like if I'm, if there's a month where things are quite difficult. So socially, if that withdrawal happens, then my accountability goes away, which I think is the cautionary tale about like relying on your friends for professional accountability. So yeah, it's a... I understand this framework that you're talking about, about effectiveness, and I really like it. My question is, do you think this is also the best framework for acquiring new habits or getting rid of habits? Is is accountability um, the best approach for habit formation or... Habits? uh, Like you're talking about something like a daily kind of a repeating... They look like I like to get into daily meditation, like a habit, or I like to quit smoking, as in moving so streaks. Um, yeah, so effectiveness of being productive all the time is, is one thing, but there are also habits. So, is accountability a good tool to work with habit formation and that sort of thing? I think it helps. I think that the I think that it works best in concert with one other thing, which is a big part of what we also focus on, which is the idea of measurement. So the the quantified self movement, right, is this multi billion dollar industry. It's these things, um, and it it's grow. It's it's such a big movement, and it's worth so much money because it works. The one of the hardest things about a lot of the things that we do as entrepreneurs is that. Like human behavior change would be easy if you wanted to get in shape and you could just work out and eat a healthy meal and lose a pound. 
like that afternoon, right? <laughs> like the feedback loop would be there yeah. that tells you you're doing a good job. So you can immediately hook, as Jim was talking about, like you can hook that positive emotion and be like, I'm winning. My belt size just went down a notch. This is easy. I'll see you again, salad, tomorrow afternoon, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, but unfortunately it doesn't work like that. You've got you've to eat healthy and work out for three or four weeks before there's any change in your physical body shape whatsoever. And that's a really long time to go with no positive emotional feedback whatsoever, right? And then as a business owner, like depending on what your business model is it's insane you could be going like some some of my startup clients could be going three to five years before the positive feedback of like hitting profitability or, you know or ever if they're pursuing i forget who it was joe who was talking about the uh the, the startups that never want to make never want to have revenue so that they can just have infinite valuation um so so there's just there's there's none of that right like for a lot of entrepreneurs it's months it's years without having those events that give us that kind of motivational drive to keep doing more of this, let alone, and now we're talking shrink for entrepreneurs stuff, the, the issue with entrepreneurs is that we have this weird psychology that the second we pop the champagne to celebrate that victory in business, that big goal that we've accomplished, literally by the time the cork hits the floor, we've set another bigger goal and we already feel shitty about ourselves for not accomplishing <laughs> it. Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That is not the subject of today's talk, conversation. <laughs> no, I, um, no, we can figure out something to do about that. Um, but, to, but to answer that question about uh, habits, so measurement is super important. Again, to take this, to take this internal reflex of I'm doing a thing. How am I doing it? How how well am I doing the thing? Doing the thing. How am I doing at it? Right. To take it out and put it externally on something else, even if it's like a freaking wall chart, like you're a kid who's being made to like take out the trash with like a thing that you check off on the fridge. Right. That is actually effective for pe for people. But f filling the loops on this thing that I've done a terrible job at today is uh, is totally effective because it's something external telling you how you're doing at the thing and it creates gamification out of doing something that otherwise has a reward that is so small that you don't notice it day to day. It's like meditation, you don't feel 1% of nirvana arriving mm -hmm. on a day to day basis, but you can create a game out of just just checking it off. Yeah, with that, the only thing that helped me with meditation was the news headline. The yeah. first singing and also keeping the street. So that's instant by feedback that the weather is getting better or worse while I meditating. That was the only thing that helped me to Right. Right, and if you add accountability to that, it gets uh, it, when you combine measurement and accountability, then it then then things start to really go crazy. So yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What you said, once you combine two, so like I was saying, or even you say about the finance class, like just having make calls. So we set the goal around making calls, not making money. We don't care about making money. We know as long as you hit your calls and build that sugar in your calls, the results are gonna come. We don't need to worry about that. We can wait for that. We just need to hit that number. And then when they report back to us, like, did you hit your 25 a day for four out of the seven days this week? Yes, I did. We build that streak. We measure that streak. We combine the two for them as well. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll focus on creating positive emotional reinforcement around the daily implementation task that gets people to, to where they want to go. We're able to do that with the finance guys because we have so much experience in that space that we know that if they make their calls, it eventually works because it's just a numbers game. If you have another industry, your mileage may vary. Like, we well, don't you know. You can go back to the beginning of building a website. So yeah. Like, if you would get a client today, if you don't, that's going to come. We need to get that website. So then you do what you're supposed to do every single day this week. And as long as you do that, we can build that positive feedback loop around that. So you continue to do what you're supposed to do every day. Yeah. So how many 
is the right amount or too many of those running checklists because it's like I'm supposed to drink this much water, I'm supposed to take this many steps, I'm supposed to write this many words, I'm supposed to write like Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh so I call it I call it entrepreneurial over optimization syndrome. And any of any of you who are reading articles on medium.com about your perfect morning ritual are like at risk, risk factors for that syndrome. Uh, it's tough because it totally it totally depletes people. Like it's insane when, and I see this in the like startup community a lot. Uh, like young, typically like quite young entrepreneurs who are getting started, who have got all of the right pieces in place with their, they've got the morning ritual of the multimillionaire that they admire, but none of the actual business. And it's like. Yeah, how's that working out for you? I think that I think that um, yeah, I think that it is. That there is a possibility to be way too optimized. The way that I like to kind of encourage people to set up their day is to really try to focus on like, and this can be a long-term mission for a lot of people: three to four hours of being super in the zone in terms of working on the highest leverage stuff that's totally important and not urgent. That typically is optimizing like a task that optimize for courage. Right, rather than anything else. So this is, that's another really important thing is people talk about like working smarter, not harder. I think that there's like a three-step hierarchy to that, which is the bottom line is working hard, right? Like blue collar labor, shoveling coal, creates some value in the world. Working smart is figuring out arbitrage. It's like the hacking, it's the marketing. And then the final thing is like people who optimize for working on the most courageous thing possible. So we often ask our customers, what is there on your to-do list that you're deeply afraid of? Because that's usually where the exponential growth is. That's where you can send one email to the right person that kicks off that partnership deal that, that 3Xs your revenue when everything else you've tried in the last year was like a less than two-digit bump like at best, right? And so what we've found is that and certainly the clients that I work with who I sort of get to learn from as well is that most of these guys are doing three or four hours of this really emotionally taxing high leverage work a day and then the rest of their day kind of descends into like urgency and reaction and when you're really running at scale there's going to be some aspect of that right like there's no very few people have this like perfect business where they don't put out any fires but if you can fit in those few hours of that at the start and my my thing with morning rituals and all of that nonsense is like the absolute minimum viable dosage that gets you to those three or four hours. The problem I have with people who do the elaborate morning ritual stuff is like, you're sometimes burning through the best like high leverage execution sort of time and energy that you have in a, in a day because you're like doing, you're making your green smoothie and you're meditating and you're gratitude journaling and you're working out and you're like, and those are just like some of the more popular ones. There's some more esoteric like things that people get into. So I've had a class in the past where they want to commit to doing that every morning. And it's like waking up at like 4 in the morning, committing to 13 like different things they want to do. And I asked them, why do you want to do this? Because I want the rest of my day to be more productive. And I was like, well, wouldn't just waking up and working on your highest level thing be more productive than doing all those things? Why don't we pick one or two of them? They're going to make you more productive and dive right into your most greatest action. And we don't need to do those things. And if you want to try it for a week, go ahead, I'll let you try it. And then you come back, I did five of the 13, and they feel crappy about themselves. Like, yeah, get more sleep. <laughs> get a little more sleep, wake up, do what's most important for you in your business. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the other danger of like over optimization is that if you're creating like a negative cycle where you're setting, you're, you're kind of swearing that you need all of these ingredients in your life in order to be the most productive or best version of yourself, and then you fall short almost every day. That's creating, like that's the opposite of what, you want, what we want to do. You're creating a negative feedback loop where you're beating yourself up and you're, you're basically manufacturing a daily experience of not being enough, 
right? right? Which is like super emotionally taxing. And that's why people burn out from entrepreneurship and get go back to their day jobs and kind of give up because they're like, this hurts too bad. It's, uh, it's too painful. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually in the last Miracle Morning book as not having an, a morning routine. So Hal, Hal put me in there and talk about how I don't have a morning routine. There's a, there's but, a, but the newest one is coming out on Monday, which Joe co-authored. Oh uh, shit! No, no, but <laughs> but no, no. Well, no, but I think that it's worth pointing out here. There, I think I, I, I mean, I agree. And personally, for me, I mean, I, I wake up when a kid cries for daddy, so I don't, I can't do a morning routine. Uh, and if I were to need a morning routine, I would feel like a huge failure every day because I could never do one. But I think that for some people, it serves as a really good anchor if they if they don't have something else sort of as that that baseline. Take a couple that work. Take a couple that work. Take a couple that actually make you a better version of yourself. But if there's ones that you commit to on a regular basis and continuously not get them, then they're obviously not helping you. So work on the right. ones that are helping you and make them right. better, make you that better yourself first. I have a I have a funny story about this, um, and you guys can verify this by finding the podcast. One of my my probably my closest friends. Uh, I don't know if you've met uh, Nick uh, Nick Ganju is the founder of a two point five two point four billion dollar startup, and he lives around the corner from me in the in the West Village, and uh, he's good. He's good friends with Tim Ferriss. Like Tim used to sleep on this guy's couch in San Francisco back in the day before Tim Ferriss was Tim Ferriss. So Tim gets him on the podcast. Nick is a like a type A, very little emotional like uh, sensitivity entrepreneur who just creates tremendous value in his business. He has 600 employees in an office in Soho, and like it's it's a it's a 2.4 billion dollar unicorn startup, right? So they're they're a badass company. And so Tim gets him on the podcast and asks him a bunch of the Tim Ferriss questions. And then one of the last questions he asks him, and you can listen to this, and it, with the context and knowing who this guy is, it's kind of hilarious. He's like, so what's your morning ritual, right? Because it's Tim Ferriss and all these people are listening with their like green smoothie or intermittent fasting or whatever that they're doing in the morning. And he's like, this guy's like, uh, I wake up and I go to work. <laughs> and, and Tim's like, Oh, like, come on, like, you know, you, you must have like a process. Like, how do you get in the zone? And he's like, uh, I just, I, I go to the office and then I like, whatever the thing is that's I got to do, I just do that. And I create, I like, we just focus on building the business. And Tim's like, dude, like, do you at least like shower or something? And he goes, not always. <laughs> so I just like, I don't know. There's no one way to do this, right? Like there's people yeah. who have incredible morning rituals. I, I have some, personally, I have some things that I do every day. They're about to change. I'm about to have my first kid. So that's all gonna go out the window. Yeah. But right now I do a couple things and I love it. It's a great process. Mine's really simple. I read really good quality nonfiction about stuff that's super important to me and my business. And I drink coffee and it's amazing how productive that makes me. I do that for like half an hour every morning and I get all energetic because of the coffee. And I get all inspired because I read ideas. And I'm like, oh, I got to do something with this. So I make some notes and then I dive in and uh, you know, it works. But I, I always question myself when I'm doing that. I'm like, this is a great little habit. But my friend who's probably one of the most successful guys I know just doesn't even shower and goes and builds a company. So yeah. yeah. Um, so his morning routine is sleeping eight hours, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, well, uh, Peter and I have been working on a collaboration. We don't have a lot, all the details worked out, but I'm very, very excited about this because it's the, 
hate using buzzwords, but buzzwords, but the synergy is just too 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 strong to avoid. Um, so we are going to be collaborating in terms of pairing commit action coaches or well, sorry, aides with uh, less doing content. So as we're, we have the Less Doing Academy, which is our, our $99 a month membership program, we're going to be implementing a more action program. So people will be able to join the academy and also get an accountability coach every week that is familiar with our material and can keep them on point as far as less doing goes, which is, I'm really pumped about this. Yeah, so we're super excited. Yeah, and the, the, the philosophies and the teachings align so well that I think this is going to be a really, really big deal for us. So I don't know exactly when we're going to launch this. I imagine it'll be in the next few weeks, probably. Yeah. Uh, we'll yes. <laughs> and I said it here. It's on recording. Yeah. Um, and uh, you heard it here first. I mean, so I, I think it's going to be. I, I I know for a fact that when I teach stuff and people learn things from us, a lot of times putting it into practice is, is the challenging part for them. Uh, and I don't, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily something that I work on with the, the leaders in terms of like accountability. I think a lot of it's breaking it down and figuring out what's going to be the right thing. But for the people who are going from, you know, they're, they're going full time for the first time and they're hitting six figures or they're trying to go from six to seven and growing that. Uh, and a lot of them are doing it either alone or in, in a very sort of small setting. That is uh, the missing component to implementing a lot of this stuff. And we're very anti-to-do lists, so uh, because most people, the, the vast majority of people, do to-do lists wrong. You should totally have somebody who does that for you. Oh, yeah. You should outsource a to-do list. Like why? <laughs> like if you're seriously though, if you're a business owner, if you're trying to, if you're trying to like work from your zone of genius and 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 do the stuff that really matters, why why take the skill set of like breaking down and organizing tasks, right? Why take the project management where the project is you? And like take that on yourself and have that be like, oh, now this is a skill I have to develop. And that's what most people do by default. They're like, I'm going to have to figure this out. And they try to, they, one of the stats that I, I love to quote is that the average customer retention of your, of like the productivity category on the Apple, like the iOS app store for these like different, different beautiful UI, they're so well designed task list is two and a half weeks. People download them, they color code all of their stuff, they create some badass categories. It feels really productive, <laughs> right? When you do all this stuff and then they check in and like, yeah, they just burn out after, they just flame out of it after, yeah, two and a half weeks on average. And so it's because we're not, you know, like those those apps are built by people who are pros at that stuff who they and they love it and they create the app they, they've always wanted to have. But every single one of us needs something a little bit different. And uh, yeah, it's time to get someone in your corner on that stuff. So I'm stoked for this, man. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, um, I, I have heard far too often when some someone will say that the accomplishment of the day was that they got like eight things on their to-do list. That was the accomplishment. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, well, uh, we're, we're out of time here. So Peter, that was awesome. And again, I'm, I'm really excited about this. It's going to be great. And you'll all hear more about it very soon. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast. At Less Doing, we help entrepreneurs who have opportunity in excess of what their infrastructure can support to set up systems and processes that empower a team to ultimately make themselves more replaceable. That way they can optimize, automate, and outsource everything in their businesses in order to be more effective. 
If you want to find out more about Less Doing, the podcast, the blog, the books, and all of the wonderful programs we offer to help you get from where you are to where you know you want to be, go to lessdoing.com slash podcast and check out our OAO blueprint so you can get started today.